You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Emily Ashenfelter. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's December 9th. Compared with Black Americans, white Americans make 73% more in annual income, are about two times more likely to own their home, hold 10 times more wealth, and are 28 times more likely to be millionaires. What explains the racial wealth gap in America? And what policy options might help close it? A new series of RAND discussion papers examines these important questions. The first paper in the series looks at how wealth accumulation is measured. RAND economist Catherine Edwards presents a model showing that while a person's ability and choices matter, these factors alone do not determine individual wealth. In fact, research consistently shows that income and wealth are not remade every generation, but rather are closely linked to the income and wealth of past generations. In other words, The more income and wealth a person's parents have, the higher their economic starting point. Additionally, systemic barriers, such as discrimination, can curtail economic success over a lifetime. In the second paper, Rand's Jessica Wellburn Page provides an overview of existing research on the challenges facing the Black middle class. The evidence shows that middle class status does not afford the same protections to Black Americans as it does to white Americans. Overall, black Americans, even if they grow up in middle-class households, are more likely than white Americans to move down the socioeconomic spectrum as adults. White Americans, on the other hand, are more likely to move up. This is because of several connected factors that create obstacles for black Americans in the middle class, such as housing and neighborhood circumstances, educational and occupational attainment, and persistent racism and discrimination. So what about potential policy solutions to close the racial wealth gap? Rand's Jonathan Wellburn and co-authors tackle this question in the third and final paper in the series. They find that targeted wealth allocation, also known as reparations, could help close the racial wealth gap. But truly eliminating the gap, which has only widened over the last 30 years, would only be possible through broader policies aimed at reducing overall wealth inequality in the U.S. When it comes to closing the black-white wealth gap, it's hard to see another path than a historic intervention, they write. These papers establish a starting point for exploring policy interventions to address the racial wealth gap. Without an understanding of the enduring inequities that contribute to disparities in the U.S., efforts to close these racial wealth gaps are unlikely to succeed. You can find all three papers at www.rand.org slash wealthgap. Evidence shows that all students, especially Black and Latino students, benefit from having teachers who are people of color. Yet, America's teaching workforce is far less racially diverse than its student body, partly because teachers of color leave the profession at higher rates than their white colleagues. In a recent study, RAND researchers interviewed and conducted surveys with educators to better understand how to get more teachers of color into the classroom and help them stay. They found that the costs of becoming a teacher and remaining in the profession were a major obstacle. 
Increasing teacher salaries would help address this, of course, but another idea is to lower the educational and credentialing expenses of becoming a teacher. Some of the teachers we surveyed also cited student loan forgiveness and compensation for student teaching as potential solutions. But our results show that teacher discontent isn't just about the money. One-third of teachers and nearly half of principals of color we surveyed reported at least one incident of racial discrimination during the 2021-2022 school year. Many also reported poor well-being as a reason they might leave their jobs. As one study participant put it, you have to love what you're doing if you're going to survive as a teacher. To address these issues, the study authors emphasize the importance of creating inclusive collegial school environments. For example, states could ensure that teacher preparation programs focus on relationship building, and the leaders of schools and school districts could work on building trust among students and staff. When the fighting finally subsides, Ukraine may undergo reconstruction on the scale of the post-World War II Marshall Plan. RAND experts wrote this week about three key issues concerning that reconstruction. Its scope, how it will be funded, and reforms in Ukraine needed to ensure success. First, the scope of reconstruction. The West might focus on defining a scope that can gain broad support, considering the possibility that expectations in Ukraine might be high, as well as the possibility that some members of Congress on both sides of the aisle may seek to limit Ukraine aid. Whatever scope is determined, highest priority may be assigned to projects such as restoring electricity and other public utilities, rebuilding transportation and other infrastructure, and renovating industry, agriculture, and services. Second, funding sources. In September, the World Bank, European Commission, and Ukraine estimated the cost of reconstruction and recovery to be $349 billion. More recently, Ukrainian officials put the cost of national reconstruction at nearly $750 billion. Whatever the number ends up being, where will the money come from? Our researchers point out that no one wants punitive reparations of the kind that embittered post-World War I Germany and abetted the rise of Adolf Hitler. But there may be another way to get funding from Moscow. Some $300 billion in Russian central bank assets held in the West could be used for reconstruction without reducing Russia's output or employment. And there is precedent for this. In 2003, the United Nations Security Council required all UN members to freeze and transfer assets of the former Iraqi regime to the New Development Fund for Iraq. And the UN General Assembly has already approved a resolution calling for Russia to pay war reparations. To the extent Western donors contribute to reconstruction funding, Washington may end up looking to the European Union and its member states to shoulder most of the burden, as the US and UK have provided more than four-fifths of Western military aid to Ukraine thus far. Third, necessary reforms in Ukraine. Waste in Afghanistan and Iraq showed that national reconstruction can fail if donors lack coherent strategies or if projects are not sustainable or are prone to corruption. These are concerns in Ukraine, too. One way to prevent waste? Establish donor conditionalities, much like the Marshall Plan had. 
These could incentivize Ukraine to deepen its reforms related to public procurement and government spending. Chinese leaders have articulated Beijing's determination to become a leading global military power. Part of this vision is establishing an overseas basing network. A new RAND report finds that a growing Chinese military presence overseas is not a matter of if, but when. And historical cases suggest that China could develop a global basing network within the next 20 years if it's determined to do so. What's driving China to pursue overseas bases? According to our report, Beijing's primary motivation for expanding its military presence abroad is rooted in the desire to protect its own interests, particularly to pursue continued economic growth as the foundation of Communist Party legitimacy. Imposing costs on the U.S. or any other country is a secondary motive, at most. The authors identified 24 countries that may be especially well-suited to Beijing's goals for basing and overseas military access. The top four are Pakistan, Bangladesh, Cambodia, and Myanmar. They also identify measures that the U.S. can take to hedge against the possibility of a more capable and potentially more belligerent China operating on a much wider geographic scale. These include retaining a U.S. forward posture in key regions, taking steps to reduce other countries' dependence on China, which could lead them to offer Beijing basing rights, and retaining U.S. military capabilities for lower-intensity conflict. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on today's episode, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week.